welcome everyone to church. Welcome you to worship our great King and just encourage you to take some time just to quieten your mind and quieten your, your heart, still, still yourself before His presence. We've come to receive from Him and we've come to give Him the honour and the glory that's due His name. He's a worthy King, the worthy King of Israel. He's a high king, a noble king. He's our sovereign Lord. He's majestic and holy in all of his ways. So, Father, we just come before you and we just still our minds. We just give you the clamor. We give you the noise of the world. And we refocus on Jesus. We put our attention upon him. We, we give you our hearts. We give you our minds. We give you our bodies in worship. We take this opportunity just to separate our thoughts from anything that distracts us from Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11, For the Lord spoke this to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear. And let him be your dread. Lord, we ask that you would take away from our minds everything that distracts from you. That you would remove fear from everyone who is joining us this morning. That you would remove the fear of those who don't fear you, those who don't honor you. Lord, we would not be like the nations of the earth that are carried away by certain distractions and by certain conspiracies, whether they are true or false, that nothing would distract us from worshipping you this morning, Jesus. May you be hallowed.
Ship. 
these are these are the eyes of affection that, that move Jesus' heart. Yeah, this is this is the reason you're alive. To receive his love and then to affect him with the love in your heart for him. Yeah, Song of Songs 4 verse 9. It's a type of Christ speaking to his bride, saying, You have made my heart beat faster, my beloved, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes. Yeah, this is a time of cultivating the eyes that you look at him with. Eyes that refuse to look away from him. Yeah, eyes that would choose to look at him and let everything else fade away. A heart fully given. Yeah, a life laid down and surrendered to your worthy king. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. We love you. And you're deserving of our love. You're deserving of our affection and our time. We just thank you for being with us. Thank you for being so present. Yeah, thank you. You have removed all fear as you have drawn near to us. Thank you as our hearts just a cause to draw near to you, you draw near. Yeah, I just feel there's such an invitation, even in this just space um, in between, yeah, worship that is sung and, and a time of receiving the word just to give him, give him the attention he deserves. Nothing else truly matters. Your attention given to him is everything to him. Yeah, there's a decision to forget all else and, and Paul speaks about it in Philippians 3.13. Paul says, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. There's a decision to forget all else. It's a choice you get to make and... To follow after him, he, he requires us to forget everything else our worldly life was attached to, even to forsake all else, to come after him. And this is a decision of love. This isn't out of obligation. This is 
and understanding this is what it costs to follow him. It's out of love, he says, you must forsake all else to come after me. And we understand the motivation in verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Yet we're not pursuing after something pointless or something meaningless. We're pursuing after him. We're pursuing after our Jesus and he is the prize. There is no greater prize than the love that is in his eyes. Yeah, it's worth despising all else for that. Out of a love for him. It's worth forsaking all else for that. To have him as your prize and it's an eternal prize. Yeah, this life is just about whether you'll choose him. Yeah, so wherever wherever you're at right now, I just encourage your heart to just make a decision to just choose him today. You get a decision every day you wake up. Yeah, by his mercy, by his grace, an opportunity to choose him. And love him. Just as your heart remains in that place, I just want to read Psalm 121, a few verses over you. And again, this is a decision in your heart. This is not something you can be forced into. This is a choice to, to posture your heart and, and look at your king and look at your God. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains For where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. And he who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Your seven and eight, the Lord will protect you from all evil. All evil he will protect you from. He will keep your soul. The the, the Lord will guard your going out and coming in from this time forth and forever. This is our Lord. This is our Savior. This is our protector. And these are his promises to us. So even as you listen, just let, let your eyes be taken by him. Let your eyes be lifted to him. It's a heart posture. It's a, it's a willingness to choose him and, and let him be your helper. Let him be your protector. And he promises to keep your soul and he will guard you. He will guard your life from this time forth and forever. That's an eternal promise.
Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Reads, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand. Christ is risen <laughs> and he has raised us up with him. And Ephesians 2 verse 4 reads, God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is our God. This is his mercy. This is the immeasurable love he has. Even when we were dead in our sin, which was against him, our selfishness against him, choosing our own way, he made the decision to make us alive together with Christ. And he made the decision to raise us up with him and seat us with him in the heavenly places. You'll notice all of those words are past tense. He has done this. We are in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We sit with Christ at the right hand of God. The invitation I want to go back to Colossians 3 is to seek the things above in this place where Christ is seated. And verse 2 reads, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. The word mind there may also read in your translation, if you've got a New King James affection, and, and the reason why translators made that choice is because the word in the Greek is phroneo, which does mean to think, but it also means to feel, to have understanding and be wise. And that set your mind is translated as one Greek word, which could also read to feel the things above, to set your heart, set your affection on the reality of Christ, which is above. And this truly is the definition of what it means to have understanding and be wise. <laughs> to be wise is to have that heart set on the things above. And I just want to define that with a greater acuteness, which is it's a person who is above that you're setting your heart on. That's why we're singing love songs to him. It's because it's a person who sits on the throne. It's a man and his name is Jesus Christ. And that's the one we set our heart on. We set our affection on. That word phroneo also talks about being of the same mind, cherishing the same views. So we actually let this affection in our heart affect our mind, affect the way we think. It actually caused us to cherish a view of setting ourselves on the things above, setting ourselves on the one above. It's a decision in our heart to direct and seek after 
and strive for heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 reads, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. We know in the context of this chapter, this is referring to physical provision and and not worrying for, for the clothes on your back or the food in your belly for are you not more than the clothes on your back and the food in your belly? And do you not have more love from the Father than the sparrows of the air? Yet every need of theirs is attended for. But I just want us to be invited to look at that word seek and and understand what is his kingdom. And who does the kingdom belong to? Why does this kingdom matter so much? Why is it something we should seek first? We should put above all else. And we know it's because of the one who whom this kingdom belongs to. We know he is deserving and worthy of being sought before all things. Seeking after, and, and the word seek is zateo, which is by thinking and meditating. It's a seeking after, which also involves a craving to crave, to crave first his kingdom. Which again, I just want us to to meditate and rest in the reality that our mind is powerful to think and meditate, but our heart is is something the Lord wants to affect so deeply and be the very cause of why our affection is set on heaven, why our affection is set on his kingdom, why we why would we crave after this kingdom? And Jesus desires this kingdom, the kingdom that is his to to break into earth, to manifest on this earth. He desires to see his kingdom have effect here. Yeah, for love to affect the hearts. And we get a beautiful definition in Romans 14, verse 17, of the kingdom of God. It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but is of peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. We know that Christ is the true substance of peace. When the disciples were were locked in fear of being killed after his crucifixion, we see the resurrected Christ walk in to the locked room, which may speak to even now that Jesus wants to walk into your room and he wants to bring the tangible peace of heaven, which is his presence into your room. He wants to meet and address every fear, every anxiety, every care that is in your heart. And this is a perfect peace. And he lets them know it's not a peace that comes from this world. The peace he gives is is much greater because it is actually him and his presence. It's not an absence of chaos or an absence of, of disorder. 
It's actually the presence of a person. It's the presence of Jesus. The whole, the whole world around you could be falling apart, but you could be resting in complete peace because of how real he is, because of how real his peace is to us. And we know that he was covered in an oil of joy. He wants that joy to be made full in you. And we know he is the righteous one. And so to pursue after righteousness is actually pursuing after a right relationship with him. Where we can stand blameless and faultless in his presence, holy and blameless. Because of what Jesus has done and because of the righteousness he has bestowed on us. Not a righteousness of our own, but a righteousness belongs to him. If you guys could go with me to Matthew chapter 14. I'd love to read through one of my, my favorite stories, but one of my favorite events. And um, just testimonies of, of Jesus' beauty in the Gospels. We'll read from verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. I love verse 23. <laughs> Jesus loved being up on the mountain with the Father and communing with him and praying with him. No, this is such a desire in the Father's heart simply to be with you and just be alone with you. Verse 24, but the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, which we don't often give them the credit, but it wasn't a normal occurrence to see a person walking on water. <laughs> well, they're afraid it was Jesus as well. They hadn't seen a person walk on water before. So it's quite an understandable response. 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. <laughs> and Peter got out of the boat <laughs> and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
I just want us to finish finish there, but I love this story. I love I love the invitation that is in this story for us to to come to him. And and their boat is already getting smashed by waves and the wind is already contrary to what they would have wanted the wind to be doing. And I feel like us as humans, we can relate with that circumstance. We can relate with it right now. Seems like this world is getting a bit battered by, by the waves of some interesting things. The wind isn't necessarily blowing the way we would want it to be. <laughs> but we see Christ walking on the water. He's walking into the reality of our circumstance. <laughs> and he's walking he's walking to us but he's walking as Christ walks which is in an impossible reality in a perfect reality but it's not one of separation from us it's not one of of distance to us it's actually a place where I can just imagine Jesus heart being so ministered to and so touched by Peter asking him <laughs> to invite him to come on the water with him. And really a lot of people get caught up on, on the fact that Peter was walking on water. But for me, I believe we would miss the point if we thought that was the reason for this story. This is an invitation to deeper relationship with Christ. It's an invitation to come out in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of even the difficulty and just ask the Lord to tell, tell you to come to him. And I believe this is a prophetic message as well for us to receive that we need to ask Jesus to, to tell us to come out of fear and into his love, come out of the anxiety that I, I know has crept into many people's minds and into his peace because it's in that closeness that everything changes. It's in your proximity relationally to him that your whole world will be transformed and changed in a moment. And Jesus knows we're human. He knows there's still the temptation, even in the impossibility that Peter is walking on water, to look at the wind and the waves and start thinking naturally and carnally. And we see it kind of coupled so perfectly with Colossians 3. If there's still the opportunity to put your mind on the things of the earth. And we see what shifted with Peter. His eyes went from Jesus to the wind and waves. And, and Jesus re rebuked to an extent is you of little faith, which is specific to trusting too little. You stopped trusting in the one that you were looking at and you started trusting in your feet that were, were standing on wind and waves, which your natural mind cannot comprehend. But you weren't thinking about the fact you were walking on water when you were looking at me. And Jesus wants us to walk in a supernaturally natural life where we would just walk into impossible situations. We'd walk into, into calamity and bring comfort. We'd walk into anxiety and bring peace. But it's not by us focusing on our own feet. <laughs> it's, it's by us looking at the one who is saying, come to me. And this is, this is what it means to set our heart on things above. It's not an abstract concept. It's a reality of looking into the eyes of Jesus. It's looking into this heart of Christ that sits on the throne that has lavishly poured out his love upon each of us. 
our concern isn't on the things of the earth. It's not our primary concern. Our primary concern is on the heavenly man who sits on the throne. And you'll find that you're actually much more effective in walking on this earth when your eyes are fixed on him. Things won't rattle you. Things won't shake you because you've actually got your heart set on the unshakable kingdom, the unshakable king whose throne is not moving an inch, yeah, whose reign is not in question. <laughs> he is supreme. Yeah, we, we, can't, we can't make him less than. It's impossible for us to do that. We can just choose whether he reigns in our own heart, whether we let him rule in our own heart and, and let that peace that is Christ rule in our hearts. There's a decision to choose communion and in Philippians 4 it, it talks about this, you know, the praying without ceasing and everything by prayer and supplication, giving thanks to God. And the promise that's attached to that is incredible. It's a peace that, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. But the cause, the reason for this peace is our communion. It's through that prayer. It's through you offering up the contents of your heart to your king and communing and being close with him, letting, letting him know what you're caring about and then letting him bring his, his part of the bargain. <laughs> it's letting him bring his perfect peace that is him into the, that reality. He doesn't need us to deny that at times it's difficult what we're going through, but he wants relationship and he wants closeness and he knows that his peace is of a different world. <laughs> it is out of this world and it is supreme when it reigns and rules in our heart. I'd love for you guys to go with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to jump in halfway through the verse. Verse 1. Let us lay aside every encumbrance, which also means burden or weight, and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. For who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's a responsibility for us to lay aside the weights and the burdens that aren't for us to carry in this world. We have no partnership with sin or living in our, in our own way which is really just a temptation for temporary pleasure. We put off these things and we run with endurance. The race that is set before us and we know that Christ is the prize. <laughs> but the way that we're actually going to be able to finish this race is, is fulfilled in verse 2. <laughs> it's the fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's where we have to live. Especially in these times, we must fix our eyes on him. It's giving him all of our attention, all of our focus, our affection, our devotion. Our heart has to belong to him. He gave it all and so we must give all in response to him. 
the gift of Christ came freely. His sacrifice came freely to us. But truly, it will cost us everything to follow after him. The life that Christ walks in is not an easy life, yet we are called to walk as he walked. Those who abide in Christ will walk as he walked, which is in the letter of 1 John. And there is something that touches our heart in this verse too, which is quite an insightful revelation of how we actually endure. He is the example. He had a joy that was in his heart set before him, which is actually each of your faces. It's each soul that would be saved through his sacrifice, each relationship that would be reconciled through the life that Christ gave on that cross. It cost him his life to have you. It cost him his life. And he gave it freely because he loves you. This was the power for him to endure. So if we, if we would let Christ be the joy that is set before us, yeah, we can endure the life of carrying our cross daily. We can endure the hardship. We can endure the difficulty. We can endure when the world is in calamity or it's falling apart around us because our heart is fixed on him. Our eyes are fixed on the, the one who is our joy. And he will, he will help us to endure. He is faithful to help us to endure. He gave the helper that is the Holy Spirit. And just for the posture of our own hearts, it's, it's important to realize and see that our, our future, and when I say future, I mean eternal future, isn't on this earth. As it is, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and, and heaven will collide with earth at Christ's second coming and we know he is coming. <laughs> but our citizenship, our passport actually reads heaven. It actually reads the heart of Christ. That is where we belong eternally in him. And Philippians 3 verse 20 says, for our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will take us to himself. He will draw us to himself and we'll be called up in a cloud to be with our king and, and he will save us. He is our saviour. He is our rescuer. He is our deliverer. And this heart set on heaven and these eyes that are, that are set on the, the things of heaven, the things above, is something that actually affects the very outworking of our life on earth. And I'd love to read uh, Philippians 2, just over you. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. Verse 2, so I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. 
Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. In verse 5, consider the example that Christ, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. And it talks about us having the mind of Christ. That if we allow the very mind that, that possessed Christ, the very mind that Christ had on this earth to, to break into our own mind and cause a humility and cause a laying down of ourselves in concern for others, we'll see, we'll see heaven manifest on this earth. We'll see true love manifest on this earth, for we know that there is no greater love than that a man lays life down for his friends. There's also going to be a manifestation of the unity that Christ interceded for in John 17, that we may be one as the Father and the Son are one. We'll have a unity of heart, a unity of passion, not because we're uniting over opinions or perspectives, but we're uniting over him. We really need to hear this in this time. It's time to unite over Christ and stop dividing over things that are so much less than him. He's deserving of us being united. This is a part of how we love him, by being united in his spirit, intent on one purpose. What is our purpose? He is our purpose. Heaven is our purpose. Seeing souls come into heaven is the purpose of him making us his ambassadors, making us his representatives, making us his messengers of reconciliation. This is something for us to wear in these times and, and the, the attempt of division is, is pathetic but we can't, we can't be tempted and baited into division over small things. We have to see that unity was actually purchased at a price. Christ paid for us to be united. We were those who were divided. We were those who were separate, but he paid with his very blood for us to be united as one family under one name. Verse 12 in, in Philippians chapter 2 says, My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in the holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into his presence. We need a fear for God over a fear for anything else. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. Live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves, for then you'll be seen as innocent and faultless, also reads holy and blameless, and pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture, for you will appear among them as shining lights. We need to be lights in this world and, and not partnering with the darkness, not partnering with the brutality and perverseness of, of what's going in this culture and time 
our responsibility is to be like him, to be a light. And we will appear if we choose to set our heart and our affection on him, we will appear as a light for his light is shining into our hearts. And verse 16 is beautiful, offering them the words of eternal life. Then you'll be in a position and a posture to actually speak the words of eternity, which every man's heart is created for, for every man is created for God, created to be in relationship with him. And this is a time where, where darkness is building a high stage for the gospel to be preached and light to shine even brighter than it ever has before. People are aware of the darkness, whether they're spiritual or not. And we have, the, we have the hope of salvation in our hearts. We have the reality of the light of the world in our hearts. And this isn't a pressuring or a condemning message for us. This should spur us on <laughs> and build us up to really take hold of what Christ has paid for and what we've received and understand what we have to freely give. And it's him. We have him to give. We have the one who is calling men to himself. We have the, the God who desires that none shall perish, that every, but everyone turn and repent. We have such a grace-filled, mercy-filled God whose loving kindness endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'd just love for us to, to finish on really a meditation of who our high priest is. And Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 gives us an insight to the kind of high priest we have, this high priest being Christ himself. It reads, For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. We know that Christ experienced every human temptation, every human difficulty. And through that, he actually has the comfort and the ability to come and aid those who are being tempted, those who are faced with difficulty. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, reads, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, yet without sin. Verse 16, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And this is our Jesus. He chose humility to come and be a man on this earth, to be born of a virgin, born in a manger, to be but a seed in the womb of a woman. Such humility that allows him to sympathize with our human experience, sympathize with everything you're walking through. This is our high priest. He is not distant. He is not impersonal. Yeah, he, is, he is closer than you could ever imagine. And his heart is one that is actually sympathetic towards us, even in our weakness. He is able to comfort us. And because of this being the character and nature of our high priest, let us be those who draw near with a confidence, knowing we are washed in his blood. 
his mercy has covered our lives and his mercy is new and fresh every morning and draw near to his throne of grace that continues to help us and uplift us and empower us to walk, walk in the reality, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Yeah, that he has preached and paid for. And we will receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Yeah, I just love to just pray over you guys, just as you just let your heart as well draw near. Let your heart be confident in who your high priest is. Let your heart be confident in who Jesus is to you, even in these times. Yeah, just thank you, Lord, that you are sufficient. You're enough for us. Thank you, your grace is sufficient. Yeah, in our weakness, in our in our time of trial and difficulty. Just thank you, Lord, that, that you're coming and comforting those who are in a time of need, who are needing your comfort from heaven, the comfort of your Holy Spirit. Just thank you, Holy Spirit, you are our comforter. You are our helper. And I just pray that you just touch hearts yeah, wherever they are right now, Lord. Yeah. Just minister to the discomfort, minister to the uncertainty and, and minister to the fear. And Holy Spirit, I just pray you would replace any spirit of fear with your spirit of power, your spirit of love. Yeah, and your self your self-control that you actually allow to be a fruit of the spirit in our life. When we're where we're not actually driven to extremes in in ways of being, we're actually driven to a moderation in your heart. Yeah, so I pray that we wouldn't be those who are concerned for things that do not matter. Jesus, I just pray you would just Yeah, even just bring hearts into a into a stillness into a place of peace and rest in this time, even in the midst of the unrest, I just declare and speak out the rest of heaven, that through your promises and through your invitation, we are able to enter. Just pray for a softness of heart to receive the invitation and the beckoning of heaven to draw near to Jesus. Just let yourself be drawn near to this, this high priest. Why would you not want to be close? Just thank you, Lord. Thank you for being so close, for being so near. And just pray a blessing over every heart that is hearing these words. Just pray for an encounter with you, Jesus. Yep, just as the disciples experienced that peace of heaven when you walked through their locked rooms, Lord. They experienced you and they experienced what you have to give. And just, just see your hand, Lord, extending out holding holding things for each need in our community lord and i just pray hearts would be humble to receive from your hand and just just help our hearts to be humble like yours jesus to be lowly and know that we need you and receive from you
Thank you, Sim, for a very poignant and accurate word uh, for us, not just as a church, but for the body of Christ in Australia. I'm just going to pray briefly for the nation of Australia and I'm going to hand over to, to Brad, who has a prophetic word to share with us. Um, so, Father, we thank you uh, for the nation of Australia and Lord, we pray for the city of Sydney and other areas of Australia that are going through lockdown and even though churches are not gathering as such, Lord, we thank you that your kingdom is advancing and we just we call in the lost into the fold. We call in those who, whose hearts are not towards you. We call them in right now uh, in the realm of the spirit. We just call in the lost to come into the kingdom of God and we just expect salvations. We expect hearts that are cold to you, Lord, to be set on fire. We ask the Holy Spirit would pour out on the nation of Australia that we would be the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. You are not dependent on our religious services. You are far above, you are far below, you are to the left and to the right. No man can escape your presence. And Lord, we just call in those who have turned away from you. We call them into the kingdom. We expect a harvest of souls. We expect many to be brought into your kingdom, Lord. And we just ask for our hearts, those who are following you, Lord, that you would help us have a right attitude. Lord, that you would tune us, tune our frequency towards you, that you would help us, as Sim has shared, help us to set our affections, help us to set our mind upon you, on things above. Help us to be fixated on the throne and help us to be a blessing to those we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, hi everyone. Just when I was uh, just praying this morning before um, the privilege of coming up to be a part of the worship team this morning, the Lord just revealed something to me about instruments. And um, I hope you didn't hear any of my <laughs> mistreatment of the instrument this morning. But let me just uh, share with you that when you take a piano, for instance, there's like only eight regular notes you might play in an octave or 12 total notes. But I can assure you that if you don't put them in the right order, they can sound horrendous or if a piano doesn't relate to you perhaps maybe your kids or someone has brought a violin home it's an instrument that can sound absolutely amazing but if it's not played correctly it can be absolutely frightening um, so yeah what the Lord revealed to me this morning was that um Sorry that the analogy is about a musician, but I'm sure you can apply it to other things in your life. That an instrument is is nothing by itself. It just sits there. It doesn't it doesn't make noise. It doesn't 
bring joy. Um, it can't convey emotion. But when the musician um, learns how to play that instrument, they've got to invest time to understand that instrument. They've got to know every intricacy about it, what works, what doesn't work when you're playing that instrument. Um, and, and what God revealed to me was that just like that instrument and the musician who plays it, it can only sound good and bring joy to people when it's played by the, the perfect musician for that instrument. And, yeah, God said to me that we are his instruments. We are his instruments of righteousness. It says in um, Romans 6, Romans 6 verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So just um, just think of that for a moment that you are an instrument and God is the only one who knows how to play you to perfection so that you bring joy to people, so that you are the best possible version of of yourself, so just I just felt like it really synchronized there with um, Sim's talk about us um, seeking the Father's heart, and you know, don't let these other things in the world play us. Like our jobs play us, even our partners or our kids can play us. So many things in this world, but they don't. They might get a sound that's kind of appealing out of us, but we're never going to be true and perfect until we let. Um, God play us so let's continue to seek him let's not let this um, disruption that we have of not being able to meet together as we normally do take any wind out of our sails we have all we need in Christ and God in Christ so um, we have all we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus so yeah I just wanted to share that with you you are an instrument of righteousness for the Lord, so allow him to play you and, and be a sweet blessing to those around you. Amen. Yeah, thanks so much, Brad. Just just felt even that that word speaks into it as well, but to actually just uh, allow the opportunity for the Lord to to meet and, and just minister and, and let let your heart actually receive what he wants to, to give to you. Yeah, even in that space of just how how does he want to play your heartstrings? How does he want to to meet you in this in this time and moment? So, um, yeah, if I could just invite the worship team um, up to yeah, just create that that atmosphere and that opportunity. And yeah, I just thank you, Jesus, that there there's only one who knows how to meet our heart, and it is you. And there's only one who knows how to play our heart and and synchronize the, the instrument of our being with your Holy Spirit. So I just pray that, that hearts would be met as as we just finish and, and wrap up our time together, Lord, that, yeah, this wouldn't even be just for a moment. This would be for a lifetime of, of tuning ourselves to your spirit, tuning ourselves to the frequency of heaven, the frequency of your heart, Father. So I just thank you, Jesus, for, for meeting us and, and moving in us. Yeah, and just, just pray that there'd be eyes and hearts enlightened to see yeah, what you're holding in your hand to, to each of those who are listening. Yeah, 
So just thank you for that in, in your beautiful name, Jesus. worshipped Jesus before um, yeah I really felt like he just wanted to sing over us and yeah just respond with his love and so yeah I just want you guys to just yeah relax right now and yeah he's heard your love over him and he was moved by your heart and he just he wants to respond and pour his love on you so just yeah let him sing over you now your presence beloved is all I'm pursued of just to be with you I love you. 
not scared of your weakness or imperfections. I love you. Just look at me, just look at me, just one look. Oh, you ravish my heart, you ravish my heart. You ravish my heart, ravish my I love you.